0: This is a message by Pastor Mark Fox at Antioch Community Church in Elon, North Carolina. For more
1: information about
0: the church, go to antiochchurchnc.org.
1: We're reading today from Genesis 48. And after this, Joseph was told, Behold, your father is ill. So he took with him his two sons... Manasseh and Ephraim and it was told to Jacob your son Joseph has come to you then Israel summoned his strength and set up in bed and Jacob said to Joseph God Almighty appeared to me at Luz in the land of Canaan and blessed me and said to me behold I will make you fruitful and multiply you and I will make of you a company of peoples and will give this land to your offspring after you for an everlasting possession. And now your two sons who were born to you in the land of Egypt before I came to you in Egypt are mine. Ephraim and Manasseh shall be mine, as Reuben and Simeon are. And the children that you fathered after them shall be yours. They shall be called by the name of their brothers and their inheritance. As for me, when I came from Padan, to my sorrow, Rachel died in the land of Canaan on the way. And when there was still some distance to go to Ephrath, and I buried her there on the way to Ephrath, that is Bethlehem. When Israel saw Joseph's sons, he said, Who are these? Joseph said to his father, They are my sons. Whom God has given me here. And he said, Bring them to me, please, that I may bless them. Now the eyes of Israel were dim with age, so that he could not see. So Joseph brought them near him, and he kissed them and embraced them. And Israel said to Joseph, I never expected to see your face, and behold, God has let me see your offspring also. Then Joseph removed them from his knees and he bowed himself with his face to the earth. And Joseph took them both, Ephraim in his right hand toward Israel's left hand and Manasseh in his left hand toward Israel's right hand and brought them near him. And Israel stretched out his right hand and laid it on the head of Ephraim, who was the younger, and his left hand on the head of Manasseh, Crossing his hands, for Manasseh was the firstborn. And he blessed Joseph, and said, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, and the God who has been my shepherd all my life long to this day, the angel who has redeemed me from all evil, bless the boys. And in them let my name be carried on, and the name of my fathers Abraham and Isaac. And let them grow into a multitude in the midst of the earth. When Joseph saw that his father laid his right hand on the head of Ephraim, it displeased him. And he took his father's hand to move it from Ephraim's head to Manasseh's head. And Joseph said to his father, not this way, my father, since this one is the firstborn. Put your right hand on his head. But his father refused and said, I know, my son, I know. He also shall become a people, and he also shall be great. Nevertheless, his younger brother shall be greater than he, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. So he blessed them that day, saying, By you Israel will pronounce blessings, saying, God make you as Ephraim and as Manasseh. And thus he put Ephraim before Manasseh. Then Israel said to Joseph, Behold, I am about to die. But God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Moreover, I have given to you rather than to your brothers one mountain slope that I took from the hand of the Amorites with my sword and with my bow.
0: You know, my thought was, Jeremy, I don't know how you can see the Bible from way up where you're standing. You have to look a long way down to read that. Well, good morning, saints. It's good to be back with you guys. We missed you last Sunday, and thank you for your prayers. It was a glorious occasion that we were able to attend. Uh, Thank you, Vic. Vic is a good and faithful Bible teacher, teacher of the Word. Thank you for blessing us with the message from chapter 47. That was a blessing. So today we look at another blessing, the one that Jacob will give to Joseph as he blesses his two sons, Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh. The chapter starts with after this, so you have to answer the question, right? After... What? Well, it's after Jacob has made Joseph swear that he will not bury him in Egypt. Don't you dare, boy. Don't you bury me in this place. You take me back to Canaan. You bury me with my fathers. You put me with my fathers. And, of course, he will be put there in the cave of Machpelah. So that vow was asked for and it was given, and that leads to the penultimate chapter of Jacob's life. This is the next to the end. The last thing he will do in the next chapter is bless his 12 sons. We'll look at that next week, Lord willing. But before that, he's going to surprise Joseph in this chapter with a powerful promise and a prophecy about his two sons, Joseph's two sons, who were born in Egypt. So let's look at this chapter today under three main points, adoption, blessing, and prophecy. So when Joseph heard that his father was sick, he took his two sons... Manasseh and Ephraim, and went to see his father. Now, when Moses wrote the chapter, he listed them correctly, Manasseh and Ephraim. Verse 1, Manasseh was the older, Ephraim was the younger. They were born, according to chapter 41, before the famine began. So how old are these guys now? Well, we're not really sure, because if this is really the time of Jacob's death, I mean, he's within a week of his death or so, then these guys have to be about 19 or 20 years old, right? Manasseh would be 20, and, and Ephraim, if, if, you know, if they were a year apart, they would be, he would be 19. But the wording in this, anybody besides me think that these guys were sitting on Jacob's knees as he blessed them, right? Joseph removed them from his knees. So if that's the case, then what does that mean? That means there's a long gap, right? A long gap between chapter 48, 49. doesn't really matter. But the, the last thing that we see here, the next thing we see here is him blessing these two young men, whether they're 19 or 20 or whether they're three and four. So Jacob speaks to Joseph about the time God appeared to him in Luz when he, rena- when he renamed Bethel, house of God. Remember, Jacob had gone to that place. It was called Luz or Luz, however you want to say it. And after he had met with God there, he renamed it. Now this place will be called Bethel the house of God. And it was there that God promised Jacob that he would, be, he would be fruitful and he would give him a land for his offspring. So Jacob tells Joseph about that and then he does something surprising. He says, Joseph's two sons, Ephraim and Manasseh, shall be mine. Now don't, don't gloss over that. Don't miss that. What is he saying here? He saying, hey, I know these are your sons, but I'm adopting them. Okay, I'm, I'm putting them in the family line here under me, not under you. They're going to be my sons. And, and the thinking there is that surprising, first of all, that he switched the two names. He put the younger before the older. Joseph may have chalked that up to, well, dad's old. You know, he's feeble-minded. He's not sure which one's older, which one's younger. But that's not it. We'll see that in a moment, right? But most surprising is that these two will now be considered sons of Jacob. And they kind of, you kind of see them replacing Reuben and Simeon. The two older sons are now replaced by Joseph's two older sons because Reuben and Simeon had both proved themselves to be unfaithful, as we've seen in earlier chapters. So these older boys perhaps disqualified themselves for leadership and now Jacob is saying, these two will take their place. But Jacob goes on to say that, that their other, the other children that Jacob has, they're, they're going to be yours, um, Joseph. Joseph has, they'll be your children. But they're going to receive the same inheritance as these two, who are now my children. It's interesting, this adoption changed the history of the nation. It changed a lot. Now, for example, Ephraim was the tribe from which Joshua will come. How important is Joshua in the story of god's people right he he's the man who who stepped into and took the place of the man of god moses the great prophet and priest and 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 leader and joshua took his place and actually led the people of god into the promised land that moses never got to see except from the top of mount nebo so joshua was an ephraimite right In fact, if you read through the Old Testament and just look for the mentions of Ephraim, you'll see that many times in the Old Testament, Ephraim is used as a synonym for Israel. He calls Israel Ephraim. So this is an important moment in the history of the people of God. If you look up the 12 tribes in the Old Testament, you'll find there are a lot of variations in how they're listed. You ever seen that? A lot of different variations in the Old and the New Testament as to who are the 12 tribes of Israel. Right? Are they the 12 sons? Well, we know that Jacob had 12 sons, but many times Levi is not mentioned in the listing. Why? Because Levi did not get an inheritance of land. Levi was a priestly tribe, and the priests were not given land. Right? They lived off the, God's, the offerings of God's people, and so they did not own property. Interesting. Right? And other times, Joseph is listed And some other other times, Ephraim and Manasseh are listed instead of Joseph. In fact, it's interesting in Revelation, the list in Revelation include, I don't know if this video will work here, just kind of slide. No, it didn't work. Uh, In Revelation, uh, Dan and, who's the other one? Manasseh are, I'm, I'm sorry, Ephraim and Dan are mentioned, not mentioned. Joseph and Manasseh are listed in Revelation 7. Why is that? Well, probably because the, those two tribes, Ephraim and Dan, were the ones mentioned in First, uh, first Kings 12 as, as the centers of idolatry for the northern kingdom. And so perhaps they were removed uh, in the final listing as the 12 tribes. That's an academic exercise for a later time, and you can pursue that to your, to your heart's delight. But the main point is that Jacob said, Oh, these two boys... Ephraim and Manasseh, not Manasseh and Ephraim, Ephraim and Manasseh, they're going to be my boys. And they're going to receive my blessing. And that leads us to the blessing. Jacob's question to Joseph in verse 8, who are these? As he's looking at his two grandsons, is explained in verse 10, where we're told that, that Jacob had trouble what? Like some of you right now, your eyes are closed as well. Jacob, Jacob had trouble seeing, right? Because he was, his his sight was dim. Who else's sight was dim and messed up on a blessing? Hello? Isaac, thank you. Jacob's father, Isaac, when Jacob stole away Esau's birthright, it was in part because Isaac couldn't see squat. He was blind and he had to depend on his hearing and his sense of touch and he blew it, right? But that was God's plan. It was God's plan for Jacob to receive The the blessing, the birthright, right? So anyway, so here here he, he has, who are these? And Joseph's answer to who these are should be part of every person's birth certificate. He says, these are my sons whom God has given to me. Hey folks, add this to your baby book. This is my son, a gift from God. Or this is my daughter, a gift from God. Let's don't mess this up. These children sitting around you right now are gifts from God. We are pro-life here because God is, the sanctity of life is critical to us because God says, these are mine. You get to have them for a, a while. You get to teach them and to train them so that you can then release them. And what a blessing that is. What a blessing last week that we had to release our son from our household, even though he's been out of our house for a while now, from our household, from our family unit, as as it were, and to release him to his own family, to a new family, to a new household. These are God's Children, they don't belong to us, but boy, do we have a responsibility before God to them. And everybody said, some of you said, God brought us two, or Joseph brought his two sons to grandpa. And I love this. Grandpa embraced and kissed these two grandsons. So they don't know yet, but I'm gonna ask Blake and Seth to come up here. I just wanna demonstrate what that embrace and what that... What that kiss really would have looked like, you know? These are my two oldest grandsons. And so Jacob, he, he, he calls up these two boys and he gives them an embrace. And I guess these guys aren't coming. I don't know. And he, and he kissed. This is what they're, this is the reaction I saw when I, So he expresses his deep gratitude and joy that not only did he get the unexpected blessing of seeing his son, remember he thought Joseph was dead for 22 years, he got to see his son and he gets to see his grandsons and what a blessing that was. Well, Joseph then took the boy, actually the next thing before I get ahead of myself, Joseph takes the boys off Jacob's knees, and then Joseph, the vice-regent of a nation before whom thousands of men have bowed over the years. What does he do? He falls to his knees and puts his face on the ground out of respect for his father. Think of that picture. Thousands of men had bowed before Joseph, and now this great leader, this man of God, this powerful person in this in the, the most powerful nation perhaps at the time, bowed before his father. His position of power did not diminish the deep reverence and great love he had for his father. So then Joseph took the boys. He made sure to put Manasseh the older in front of um, Jacob's right hand, and he made sure he put Ephraim in front of Jacob's left hand. Because maybe he thought, you know, Dad's confused. He's obviously confused about which one of these boys is older. I'm going to make sure that Manasseh gets the blessing. Right? I want my boy Manasseh. He's my firstborn, right? He's going to get the blessing. And that's when the third surprise happened. Because as you can see in the picture here, and it probably looks something like that. Jacob, eyes dim, he can't see, but he he knows which is which, and he he switches his hands, he crosses his arms over. You know what's surprising to me is that in the Hebrew Hall of Faith, what chapter is that? Hebrews. 11, in the Hebrews 11, hall of faith, the one thing Jacob is mentioned mentioned for is this. It's it's incredible. It says, but by faith, Jacob, when dying, blessed each of the sons of of Joseph, bowing in worship over the head of his staff. Now, he may be referring there to the next chapter when he blesses all the sons of Jacob, but some believe he was talking about by faith, He crossed his arms believing that Ephraim was the one to receive the blessing, the birthright. But it's incredible to me that of all the things that Jacob did in his life, I mean, he wrestled with the angel of God, right? He saw a ladder going to heaven and angels coming up and down. He saw that God was present in heaven, but he is involved, integrally involved in the life here on earth, in his people's lives. But all the things that Jacob had done, this is it. By faith, Jacob blessed his sons. Derek Kidner writes, once more the firstborn's blessing is destined for the younger brother, but now there's no faithless scheming or bitter aftertaste. It's an object lesson in quiet reverence and faith. Look at verse 15. And he blessed Joseph and said, you see that? And he blessed Joseph and said, but he's speaking of these two boys and he blessed Joseph. You see that? Jacob is blessing Joseph by giving a double blessing to his sons. Charles Spurgeon said there's no greater blessing we parents could receive than that God would bless and give favor to our children. And every parent here said, I have no greater joy, John wrote, than to hear that my children are walking in the truth, Third John verse 4. I have no greater joy than to hear that my children are walking. the That's the joy that every parent looks for and longs for as their children grow up and then leave the home and go establish their own households. Our greatest joy is to hear and to see that our children follow Christ with all their hearts. Children know this that's what your parents are training you for that's why they're loving you that's why they're praying for you that's why they discipline you that's why they set rules and boundaries for you it's because there's no greater joy for parents than to know that you children you young adults we talked about this morning in men's breakfast you young men and young women 12 to 30 years old young adults would grow in your love for Jesus and his work in the church. Look at Jacob's blessing. At the end of his life, he sees clearly. This is, this is cool. This is Jacob's. He's finally, he's, he's sanctified. Not perfect, but boy, he's, he's really grown. You know? it's, it's like he's grown up in the last few years. He understands things because as he, you see this blessing, it's all grace. It's all God. This is not a testimony of a self-made man boasting of what great works he has done. No, this is praise for God alone, the one who is faithful even when we are not. Look at what he says about God. He says, first, he's God. This is the God of my father. This is the God of my father. I'm blessing you because you're part of you know, the God who is the God of our fathers. You know, you may or may not have a spiritual heritage in your, spiritual heritage in your family you can point to. Some of you do not have godly parents or godly, godly grandparents. But I guarantee you, if you're here, it's because there were godly fathers and mothers, spiritual fathers and mothers, who were not related to you, that God put in your life, and God used to point you to Jesus. God used to help you to see Him and to grow up in Him. right? And you can give thanks for that, that those were, those were God's people that He put in your life. And men, if you grew up in that situation and you did not have a godly father or a godly grandfather that you can see as the patriarch, guess what? You are that man. You are that spiritual patriarch that your sons and your grandsons and your great-grandsons and great-granddaughters will say, oh yeah, that was, that was my great-grandfather. He was a godly man and because of him, faith ran downhill through the lineage So Jacob knows this and he acknowledges this. I serve the God of my father. And secondly, God is my shepherd. When we come to Christ, we begin to understand that truth. But the the further we get with Christ, the more we realize how much he was there all the way, all the way from the very beginning. When we did not know him, he was bringing us to the place by faith through grace that we are by grace through faith that we could know him. And he was shepherding us along. And Jacob knows that, doesn't he? He has been guided by the hand of God through his life. And then he says something interesting, the angel redeemed me from evil. Now, a lot of people believe that he was referring to Peniel when he wrestled with the angel, which we believe was the pre-incarnate Christ, where Jesus in the flesh, or an angel in the flesh, perhaps Jesus himself, wrestled with Jacob. And you remember that after the wrestling match that took all night long? He says, for I've seen God face to face, and yet my life, has been delivered. He's praying that same blessing over these boys, that the angel who redeemed me, who protected me, who walked with me, the shepherd who was with me, he will be with you, he will watch over you, he will protect you. I bet some of you, if we open it up, I bet some of you could tell uh, the story of when you knew that God intervened to save your life. You should have been dead, and your life was spared. You know the, the amazing thing? is that we don't know half of them. We don't know half the times when we should have been dead or we should have, have been uh, um, you know, eliminated from, from life on the earth because God said, no, no, it's not time yet. No, stop that. No, <laughs> not happening, right? The angel of the Lord protected us, and he does, and he does. And these are turning points for us where even if we walk with a limp afterwards, Right, We walk with a steady gait and direction toward God because of his redemption, because of his protection. So Jacob ends this blessing with a prayer that the same God that has blessed him so much would bless these boys, and look at that phrase, and grow them into a multitude in the midst of the earth. And that's when Joseph speaks up. I think Joseph had his, his head bowed and his eyes closed, right, while all this was going on. And he, he, he lifts his head up and he opens his eyes and he says, no, 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 whoa, whoa, stop, right? And that's where there's going to be a prophecy. So Joseph sees that. He says, no, dad, no, dad, take, this is the firstborn. Put your right hand on Manasseh, not on Ephraim. Manasseh's the firstborn. And I love what Jacob says. He's, he probably smiled and he said, I, I know my son, I know. And he probably thought, boy, do I know. They will both become a people, he says, and they will both be great. Hey, just like your uncle Esau and I, you know, Manasseh's going to be fine. He's going to be a great people as well. But here he speaks prophetically. He says, the younger brother will be greater, and his offspring shall become a multitude of nations. Again, we see that Jacob has adopted these two grandsons as sons, and he's given them preeminence over his natural firstborn. So much so that he he says, this is going to become a blessing in Israel. He prophesies here. This will be a blessing in Israel. God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. You know that to this day, Jewish fathers who follow the Torah will pronounce that blessing over their children at the end of Shabbat, at the end of the Sabbath day. It still happens. God make you as Ephraim and Manasseh. We can bless our children and say, God, make you like Jesus. (laughs) God, make you like Jesus, the son of God. The chapter closes, Jacob telling his son he's about to die. But he says, God will be with you and will bring you again to the land of your fathers. Again, we see the blessing of God. We see the grace of God that he's given to his people all through this book we've been studying for a year and a half. Joseph will not see the promised land and neither will his sons. But God is faithful and will keep his word for them and for us. I love what Spurgeon said about this final promise in in, uh, chapter 48. He says, if Abraham dies, there's Isaac. And if Isaac dies, there's Jacob. And if Jacob dies, there's Joseph. And if Joseph dies, Ephraim and Manasseh survive. The Lord shall never lack a champion to bear his standard high among the sons of men. Only let us pray to God to raise up more faithful ministers day and night. We have plenty of a sort but oh, for more that will weigh out 16 ounces to the pound of gospel in such a way that people will receive it. We have too much of fine language, too much of florid eloquence and too little and little full and plain gospel preaching, but God will keep up the apostolic succession. Never fear of that. When Stephen is dying, Paul's not far off. When Elijah is taken up, he leaves his mantle behind him. When we see that the promise of God is that he will keep his people all the way to the end. So what can we take from this passage here? A few thoughts. It's the father's great privilege and responsibility to bless his children with his love, his embrace, and his words of affirmation. Our children need that. And our privilege and responsibility is to make sure that they know they're loved, that they feel our embrace, that they have the affection of a father and a mother in appropriate ways, and we have... We have affirmed them. Number two, the Lord is our shepherd and our redeemer now and forever. The Lord is our shepherd now and forever. And finally, the Lord raises up standard bearers in his time and in his way. We can trust him completely in this. Let's pray. Father, we're thankful this morning for... This story that just uh, continues to bless us and remind us of how much you love us as we've sung this morning uh this the song that we will sing in heaven is wonderful it's it's filled with wonder and what will we be wondering about for all eternity we will be wondering at how much you love us and how much you have given us and how much you have have invited us in and adopted us as your own children and brought us into your family, not just for this life, but for the life that is to come, which will never, ever end. So Lord, we're thankful for that reminder this morning as we look again at Jacob, who's old and near death, and yet he marvels at the wonder of your love and your grace as you have led him and guided him through his foolishness and through his faithfulness you have been faithful all along, not just to him, but but to us. We thank you, Lord, and we pray that you would strengthen our hearts and our faith through this message. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to this message. Antioch meets every Sunday morning at 10 a.m. at 1600 Powerline Road in Elon, North Carolina. For more information about Mark and the books he's written, go to jmarkfox.com.